Hey, podcasters, and welcome to episode four of the Signpost Podcast. This is a podcast where we're helping you navigate the world through a Christian perspective and providing biblical answers. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Is God Good? So let's go ahead and get started. My name is Corey Bohan. I am a member and a deacon of First Baptist Spartanburg. And as always, we are joined by Todd Williams, who is a minister to the college and young adults at First Baptist Spartanburg, South Carolina. Hey, Todd, how are you? Doing good, Corey. Hope everyone listening is doing well. Thank you all so much for tuning back into episode four now. Yeah, episode four. That's amazing. It's crazy. We're already at episode four. I know. <laughs> and you're a deacon. I it, still can't get over that. <laughs> we, we, uh, if you didn't hear last week or two weeks ago, Corey was ordained as a deacon at our church, and we're so excited um, that a young man like Corey would accept the call of God on his life to become a deacon at a church. Yeah, it's exciting. And what's more exciting is this week, Todd, we get to talk about is God actually good? So let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Yeah, so this is one of the most difficult subjects to cover as a believer um, because we believe and worship in an omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent God while living in a world full of evil and suffering. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the questions that we hear from you know, co-workers and, you know, non-believers is, you know, how can a God that is all-powerful everywhere and possessing complete and unlimited goodness allow evil and suffering to happen in a world that he created? Yeah, so first of all, I want you to know that if you have ever wondered that or are still wondering, that's okay. The reality is that we live in a fallen world caused by sin that separates us from how God intended this world to be that ushered in evil and suffering and death. So everyone has either experienced, seen, or heard some sort of evil or suffering in their life. And that's why this question is so important to consider. So to answer the question, we must face ourselves with the problem of evil and suffering. Yeah, and you know, atheists, they love to use the problem of evil and suffering to really disprove of the existence of a good God. You know, in what world... Could Hitler commit genocide, cancer take the life of a child, or a brother murder his own brother? And, you know, at the same time, this world be watched over and controlled by a good God. Yeah, so uh, I think the best way to answer this is to kind of set the stage of what a typical atheist would set the stage with. Uh, Philosophers J.L. Mackey, H.J. McCloskey, claim that all four of these things that I'm about to mention cannot be true at the same time. And this is their defense against the existence of a good God. It's this is that God is all powerful. God is all knowing. God is perfectly good and evil exists. You see, they would say that all four of those cannot be um, true at the same time because they would say if evil exists, then God's not perfectly good. Um, if evil exists and he's perfectly good, then he can't do anything about it, so then he's not all-powerful. Or, if God didn't know that evil was going to come, then certainly he's not all-knowing. But all four of these cannot be true at the same time. And so they're, they're claiming that evil exists, um, 
Because evil exists, it creates a logical inconsistency that there would be an all-powerful, all-knowing, and perfectly good God. Yeah, and you know, like listening to that, it actually sounds like a solid argument. You know, it's it's one of the most difficult things or difficult arguments for a believer to get past. And it's one of the things that causes people to not believe in God or to run from their faith or even to resent their faith because of a bad event in their life. You know, so we must, as believers, reconcile the fact that there is a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly good, while at the same time, we all live in a world that's full of evil and suffering, you know, the fall of man. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, we have lived in a world full of suffering. Yeah, so one of the simplest answers to this question is brought about by Augustine of Hippo, uh, defending the question of if there is a good God, then why is there so much evil? By asking the question, uh, if there was no God, then how could there be so much good? Because while there is a lot of evil in this world, you got to admit there's also a lot of good in this world. For sure. I mean, I've got three of the most wonderful children sleeping in their beds upstairs right now. It is very quiet. It is quiet. And they are good. And they are exciting. Sometimes they are evil. But most of the time, they're good and exciting. And we love um, our children. And so... Um, if we're going to ask the question, how could there be a good God and then be so much evil, we must also ask the question, if there wasn't a good God setting that standard, then why is there so much good? And while this answer may suffice, I don't want to just stop here because my goal is to equip you as listeners with as much confidence in our perfectly good God in this evil world. So let's quickly walk through what I believe is one of the best defenses to the problem of evil and suffering. And it's commonly known as the classical view of evil, uh, heralded by, again, Augustine of Hippo, a 5th century bishop in Africa. Um, It's also uh, heralded by Thomas Aquinas, Julian of Norwich, uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and C.S. Lewis, just to name a few. Um, This viewpoint goes all the way back to the ancient world and the early church fathers. And the classical view answers this question, how can we trust an omnipotent God um, that a God is good when there is so much evil in the world, including the suffering of people that we love? You know, Philip Carey writes this in an essay for his book, God and the Problem of Evil. No evil takes place unless God permits it. And that God has a good reason for permitting each evil, which takes place the form of a greater good that he uses the evil to bring about. Yeah, so Todd, if I get this right, you're saying that because God is good and he's a loving God, he desires that all of his creation love and worship him. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is where the concept of free will comes into play. Um, God could not have created humans with anything less than freedom to choose and decide on their own because that would not be a real true love. Yeah, so the freedom that God created with all beings comes with the chance that they would not choose God, right? Uh, Then we can look at Alvin Plantiga's free will defense to the problem of evil. And Plantiga uh, says this, a world containing creatures who are significantly free uh, and freely perform more good than evil in its actions is more valuable all else being equal, than a world containing no free creatures at all. Now, God can create the free creatures, but he can't cause or determine them to not 
to him to do only what is right. For if he does so, then they aren't significantly free after all. They do not want what is rightly free. To create creatures capable of moral good, therefore he must create creatures capable of moral evil, and he can't give these creatures the freedom to perform evil and at the same time prevent them from doing so. So essentially, to eliminate evil, God would also have to eliminate freedom. And we believe that God could not have made humans free while also eliminating the potential for evil, right? Uh, So how do we reconcile the existence of evil and the existence of an all-knowing, all-powerful, and perfectly good God outside of that classical view? Uh, Plantiga argues that the free will provides a logically possible reason for an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God to allow the existence of moral evil. God's omnipotence does not imply logical contradictions, such as making a square circle. In Plantiga's view, a fallible person who is morally incapable of sin is a being without free will. Therefore, it is reasonable to say that God can either make sin impossible or he can make men free, but not both. The free will defense suggests the possibility that to God, humanity's capacity to make moral choices is a higher priority and a more important moral imperative than a universe entirely free from evil. In other words, the Creator's desire to give mankind a free will suggests a logical possibility for evil to exist in a world created by an all-good and all-powerful God. You see, we as believers believe that God created us to worship Him. But to truly and freely worship Him, we also have to have that choice to not worship him. And don't we make that choice so much to worship ourselves? And so in the end, a response question to the question presented could be this. Would you rather live in a world where God created a world, um, where God chooses every decision for us, or would you rather uh, live in a world where God created us with the freedom to choose? Yeah. And, you know, I think that him creating a world where we're free to choose and when we choose to worship him, which some kind, sometimes can be difficult to do, I think that shows that we love him if we go through all of that to worship him. And, you know, even going back to like the early church where people were persecuted for their worship of him, you know, that shows that people really loved Jesus. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the, the other question is okay, well, then if God created us freely, then why create us at all? If he knew that we would more than likely choose evil and choose to worship ourselves rather than him, why would he create them at all? The same question could be asked of parents, right? We know, as Caitlin and I know as parents, that when Emmett and Shepard and Piper were in the womb, that at some point they would disobey us, that at some point they would disappoint us, that at some point they would sin against us, that at some point they would go off on their own and do something that they weren't supposed to, right? Right. But there's also that potential, and more likely than not, that they would love us, that they would cherish us, and that we would have moments in our lives that we would never forget because mom and dad love their children irregardless of what they do, what they say, or where they go. The same thing for us as God's children And we see this in the Old Testament. We see this through the sacrifice of Jesus that God loves us. And even though we have that potential to do evil, that potential to say no to him, 
he still said it was worth it to make us. That's how much he loves us. Yeah, that's a great word, Todd. And really to sum it all up, just because evil exists doesn't mean that our creator is not all-powerful, all-knowing, and perfectly good. Yeah, and I think the biggest defense that we as Christians have that maybe we don't like to use is the gospel, is that God does give a way out of the pain and suffering through the pain and suffering of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Yeah, that's a great word, Todd. Well, it's been a great episode. We talked about, is God actually good? And of course, we see time and time again, God truly is good. So that's it for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Of course, in two weeks, we'll be back talking about why does hell exist, which is another topic that we had submitted. So if you want to get in contact with us or subscribe to the podcast, you can visit thesignpostpodcast.com. And until then, we will be back and see you in two more weeks.